Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. You're listening to a special episode of Colorado Edition from KUNC. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. It's Wednesday, September 14th. The Colorado Dream podcast from KUNC shares the stories of Coloradans who are overcoming obstacles to create a better life for themselves and their families in an effort to achieve the American dream. Hosted by Stephanie Daniel, the latest season called Newcomers Welcome explores the black immigrant experience in Colorado as told through the eyes of one African immigrant and Aurora as the city and its residents strive to become an inclusive home for all. This is Episode 5. It's May 2022. Salwa Mortada Bamba and I are in Centennial, Colorado, waiting for the United States naturalization ceremony to start. Just waiting for a a few more uh, people to come in. I know it's a little bit of a choke point at the guard station. We're sitting and chatting quietly in a room in the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Building. Today, Salwa will become an American citizen. She immigrated to this country from Liberia and dreamt about this moment for the past two decades. She's already wiping away tears. Oh, God. I never thought this day would come. How are you feeling? What are your emotions? Uh, It's a combination of... Like sadness, plus um, joy, plus disbelief that it took 23 years. Relief as well. Yeah, so a mixed. I'm thinking about when I first applied for a visa to come here. I never dreamt that I would be 44 years old. Why the sadness? Um, Because of all the, the struggles I went through. Yeah, I suffered a lot. Most of it was because I didn't have what I needed to make life easier. But I don't know. I feel free today. I feel empowered. I'm looking forward to voting. I feel proud. I'm Stephanie Daniel, and this is the Colorado Dream Newcomers Welcome from KUNC. Our series explores the Black immigrant experience in Colorado. It's told through the eyes of one African woman in the city of Aurora that's working to become an inclusive home for all. This is episode five, Home. When Salwa moved to Aurora in 1999, she said the city was like a teenager maturing into this beautiful young woman. It even reminded her of when she lived in Ghana. Back then, Aurora was a growing city, and it already had a large foreign-born population of about one in seven residents. Over 2,000 of them were from Africa. In the past 20 years, Aurora has welcomed even more newcomers, and today, nearly one in five residents are foreign-born. They've come from all over the world— And according to the U.S. Census, the African immigrant population has increased more than six-fold. It's now over 13,000. To help these newcomers succeed, 
Aurora created an integration plan in 2015, then followed it up with an even more ambitious 10-year initiative called Aurora is Open to the World. I was drawn to the idea of a city welcoming immigrants so publicly when other communities are trying to shut them out. My research led me to Salwa, and I became intrigued by her immigrant story. So both Salwa and the city of Aurora became the foundation for this season of the Colorado Dream. Over the course of this series, we've met immigrants and refugees who have built a life in Aurora. One purchased a home, something that he never dreamed was possible. Another used his entrepreneurial skills to set up a multinational business, while others have attained positions of leadership, like a spot on the local school board. In this final episode, I explore the challenges Aurora still faces in welcoming newcomers and how some of the immigrants themselves are picking up the slack. People like Salwa. When she was a doctoral nursing student at the University of Colorado, she heard the news of George Floyd's murder and was moved to take action. This morning, a group of workers and students at the CU Anschutz Medical Campus kneeled for 10 minutes in honor of George Floyd and other victims. White Coats for Black Lives was in solidarity for racial justice and health equity. In June of 2020, Salwa was one of the protesters, kneeling in honor of George Floyd. They had all the students who were going to be providers get together and we signed this document that we were going to hold the university accountable to put out a statement that said we denounce police brutality and we support Black Lives Matter. The chancellor put out a statement of support for the entire medical campus, but the College of Nursing did not release one of their own. Sawa knew the college needed to do more, so she reached out to a staff member in the provost's office. And I said, can I speak to somebody? I feel like we need to form a group to help support students of color in this place because we have nowhere to turn to. All the professors are white. People in power are all white. Like, who do we go to? Salwa joined forces with a couple other students, and they co-founded Future Voices, Students for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Their goal was to hold the college accountable. Hold them accountable to continuously represent or bring about the change that is needed to kind of overhaul that systemic lack of diversity. The College of Nursing has responded to calls from Future Voices and others for change. It has several initiatives to address diversity in the profession underway, like making it easier for students of color to attend the college at the undergrad and graduate levels through targeted pathways and partnerships, Another one is to hire more diverse faculty and staff. Salwa is part of that effort. She graduated from the college with her doctorate degree in 2021 and joined the faculty as an assistant professor and is also a member of the school's governing board of healthcare professions. Now she's in a position to help other nursing students of color succeed. been just seven years since Aurora began officially welcoming immigrants through its integration plans. With such a short runway, it's hard to quantify its success. However, there is a national organization that tracks how successfully the country's largest 100 cities have welcomed immigrants. 
In 2021, Aurora ranked in the top third of cities in the report. It received high marks for government leadership, economic empowerment, and job opportunities. The report also found that the city still needs to work on increasing median incomes, naturalization rates, and the number of immigrants that own homes and have health insurance. Some people I spoke with feel that the city of Aurora is coming up short in other ways, especially when it comes to helping its most vulnerable residents. I don't know how much I feel about Aurora being welcoming to newcomers. Matthew Mangesha is the son of East African refugees. He was born in Colorado Springs and raised in Denver. He's a policy advocate and works on city and state-level policies that support the successful integration of immigrant and refugee communities. Personally, he's not entirely sold on Aurora's integration plan. I think it just happens to be the city that people were were relocated to, right? Like it, it more so had to do with the affordability of Aurora, in my opinion, than it had to do with Aurora wanting immigrants and refugees in their city. Matthew commends the city for hiring immigrants and refugees like Ricardo Gambetta, an immigrant from Peru, to head up the Office of International and Immigrant Affairs. But he says that Aurora's commitment to foreign-born residents should be judged by what the city is doing now to help those most in need. You go to East Colfax and you look at the homeless population, a large portion of them are African immigrants, are Asian immigrants, are immigrants, Latin American immigrants. So it's, it's, it's in one hand saying we support them because we want their, their tax revenues. We support the good ones that generate taxes, that are business owners. But for the rest of the, the low-income ones and the, the, the homeless ones or the at-risk ones, you know, we're not going to deal with them. Colfax Avenue is the longest commercial street in the U.S., running east to west for more than 50 miles. The eastern end connects Aurora to Denver, where the two cities meet. And in the surrounding neighborhoods, the rates of violence and crime are high compared to the rest of the metro Denver area. And that's where you'll find Street Fraternity. My name is Yoel Gavromesco. Uh, my title here at Street Fraternity is Executive Director. And Street Fraternity's mission is to provide a place of brotherhood and personal growth for urban young men who are 14, 25-year-olds who voluntarily show up here. It's early May 2022, and we are standing outside the kitchen where young men and volunteers are preparing hot meals that can be picked up daily by anyone in the community. So we'll go downstairs. We head down to the large basement with many rooms, including a recording studio, meditation space, and gym. There's another kitchen, and on the wall is a huge world map stuck with pushpins that show where the young men are from. So the majority of our participants throughout our existence have been former refugee young men um, coming from across Africa. As well Street as Fraternity Africa. is open to all young men, but serves a lot of immigrants and refugees because their families have been resettled in the area. About half of them come from Aurora. The other half live in Denver. Um, and we anticipate that we will also see maybe um, refugees from Afghanistan and potentially from Ukraine too at any given time. Yoel is an immigrant from Eritrea. He came to Denver in 1997 with his family after his mom won the visa lottery. He co-founded Street Fraternity in 2013 
and is one of six guys on staff. He says they serve as consistent, positive role models for the 30 to 50 young men who stop by every day. It has a walk-in model, what Yoel calls a strategically unstructured space. The challenges that young men of color face, they lived in the structured life at schools. And when they are not abiding by these structures, then they're penalized for it. So we specifically target that demographic that is having issues at school, meaning that they're on the verge of dropping out, have already dropped out, and or somehow, somewhere have graduated, but they're not being able to keep a consistent job or find a career path. Street Fraternity chose its location on East Colfax because of issues in the surrounding Aurora and Dimmer neighborhoods, like violence, mental health, and alcohol and drug misuse. While the young men can come and go as they please, there is one rule everyone must follow. Respect. Respect yourself, respect others, and respect the space and the time at Street Fraternity. And our hope is that they build that respect here within one another and take it outside to the parks, to the apartments, to the schools, to their, to their homes, and to their significant others. Joel lives in Aurora, and he says he's never heard of the Immigrant Integration Plan. But he doesn't think the city is doing enough. The reason that we exist is because we're needed here. We're wanted and needed. And as long as we're wanted and needed, we will remain here and be here. Coming up, the Aurora City Council votes on two crucial measures that would support undocumented residents. Would the clerk please call the roll? Councilmember Mercano? Yes. Councilmember Hilt? Yes. Councilmember Burzins? No. Councilmember Gruber? No. You're listening to The Colorado Dream. The Colorado Dream, Newcomers Welcome, is supported by Ames Community College. Positioning learners to meet current and future workforce needs in Northern Colorado for more than 50 years. Info at ames.edu. Aurora's integration plan doesn't include a single word about undocumented residents. But according to Aurora's Office of International and Immigrant Affairs, the city's services and programs are open to all, regardless of their status. And the police department has a long-standing policy not to use officers for immigration enforcement. But there are limits to what the city is willing to do. For example... The regular meeting of the Aurora City Council uh, for Monday, January 25th, 2021, is called to order. Would the clerk please read the roll? Mayor Kaufman. Here. In January of 2021, the City Council rejected two measures to protect undocumented residents. One would have turned city buildings into safe spaces where federal immigration officials aren't allowed. The other would have created a legal defense fund for immigrants facing deportation hearings in court. It was an emotional city council meeting, and the members were deadlocked on both measures. Aurora Mayor Mike Kaufman was the deciding no vote for each. When I spoke with the mayor for this series, I asked him why he voted this way. We are not the federal government, and there is no question that... um, Immigration reform uh, needs to be accomplished in this uh, country. We have a broken immigration system, and and there are uh, symptoms of it all around us. But the fact is that that needs to be uh, resolved at the Congress of the United States and, and not at our level. 
State Representative Naquita Ricks represents Southeast Aurora. She was disappointed the city council didn't pass the Immigrant Legal Defense Fund measure. I thought that was very shocking um, that that bill would not pass, considering uh, the fact that more than about a fourth of the people in Aurora are of, you know, immigrant descent. Representative Ricks is the first African immigrant to be elected to the state legislature. She and her family escaped a military coup in Liberia in 1980 and came to Aurora. She is Sawa's cousin-in-law. I really do believe that the leadership should look like the people that they represent. One of the reasons why I ran for office was because no one in the state capitol had my lived experience or the things that I had walked through. And I think that underrepresented and marginalized communities need to be represented. After Aurora decided not to create a legal fund to assist its foreign-born residents, she co-sponsored a statewide bill that would. The bill, called the Immigration Legal Defense Fund, was signed into law by Governor Jared Polis in the summer of 2021. The grant program provides access to free lawyers for immigrants facing deportation. Colorado was one of the first states to create such a fund. So it was very, very important. And it also helped for municipalities like Aurora to be able to adapt these laws to support the immigrant uh, constituents. One could understand if immigrants living in Aurora feel like they are receiving mixed messages about just how welcome they are. It doesn't help that the U.S. Immigrant and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, has a detention facility in town. It's run by the private prison group, GEO Group, which operates over 50 detention and correctional facilities across the U.S. On any given day, there are about 500 immigrants housed in Aurora's GEO facility. 70% of them do not have a lawyer. According to data from the Colorado Immigrant Rights Coalition, immigrants with legal representation are more likely to be released on bond and win their cases. And just like in other prisons or jails, Black immigrants are disproportionately incarcerated and more likely to face detention or deportation. It's pretty intense. I was blown away too when I first saw the stat. That's Matthew Mangesha again. As a policy advocate for the Spring Institute for Intercultural Learning, he was part of the coalition that helped Representative Ricks craft the state's Immigrant Legal Defense Fund bill. Serving immigrants is in Matthew's blood. His mom was a freedom fighter in Eritrea, fighting for the country's independence from Ethiopia. She was a badass. I, like she was, a, she was a soldier, came to the U.S., like knew the struggles, knew what was going on. Here in Aurora, she is a community activist and has regularly visited detainees at the GEO facility. And she's also helped them get back on their feet after they've been released. So when Matthew worked on the legislation, he says it was a part of his job, but also personal. My mom's been doing this work for years and years and years. And so like, I, I was really brought into this work because she was doing it um, in terms of like legal defense fund support um, for folks who were in, in the GEO facility. The Immigrant Legal Defense Fund was one of a dozen new laws the Colorado State Legislature passed in 2021 that aimed to protect and better the lives of immigrants. 
Before Salwa immigrated to the United States in 1998, she would sit on the beach in Liberia and daydream about coming to America. I didn't dream of a, a big house, a two-car garage, you know, a white picket fence, like the typical American dream. What she dreamt of was peace, quiet, and predictability. And she found that in Aurora. It's the opposite of what she experienced growing up amid Liberia's brutal civil war, the trauma of her sister's murder, being displaced, and at times fleeing for her life. She has accomplished so much, but she's still not satisfied. I'm part of this group called New American Leaders. So it's a nonprofit that helped to groom, train new immigrants to run for political office. Her goal is to run for state representative or state senator in a couple of years. I need to have a seat at the table to make some changes. Salwa also created a nonprofit to focus on healthcare in Liberia. It's called the Lila A. Mortada Foundation in honor of her sister. She wants to build a small medical clinic for women and children on her family's land there. And it's to help women and girls in healthcare education. So I want to promote healthcare education in Liberia, kind of a way of enabling and helping them create sustainable lives. And repeat after me. I hereby declare on oath. I hereby declare on oath. That I absolutely and entirely. Absolutely and entirely. Back in the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Building, the naturalization ceremony is underway. Salwa and 31 applicants, representing 17 countries, are reciting the Oath of Allegiance. So help me God. So help me God. All right, congratulations, are U.S. citizens. Then Salwa and all the new citizens are handed their official naturalization certificates. I'm a U.S. citizen. Oh, God. Wow. I never, ever thought that this day would come. I need to stop crying now. <laughs> it's messed up. My eyes are starting to hurt. Standing by Salwa's side is another Liberian who became a citizen today. I'm feeling very, very happy that I'm a citizen today. So glad. Salwa's mom, Martha Annette Potter Mortada, who came to Colorado in 2016. Salwa's younger brother, Sammy, is also here. He takes photos of them. All right. Let's hear it. U.S. citizen. U.S. citizen. All right. Okay, I got it. Sammy immigrated to the U.S. in 2000 and became a citizen years ago. Sadly, their dad, Mahmoud, couldn't join the family. He died in Liberia in 2012. The goal for us, you know, as children of our parents was, well, you know, they have done their part. They have invested in our education. And for us, uh, the next step was, well, we have to take the reins for ourselves. As the first person in her immediate family to come to America, Salwa paved the way for her mother, Sammy, and older brother, Abed, filing their paperwork and mailing documents that sped up their immigration process. All three siblings went to college and have careers and families. For Salwa, Fabrice Combo, and Kiki, 
and so many other immigrants and refugees who I interviewed for this series, Aurora has so much to offer. Affordable housing, festivals that celebrate their heritages, ethnic grocers that stock familiar foods, and organizations like Village Exchange Center that support their transition to life in America. There are downsides too. Some are unique to immigrants, like fear of deportation, and others are part of life in America. Racism, gun violence, homelessness, and rising costs of living. When Salwa became a U.S. citizen, alongside her mom, she had to give up her Liberian citizenship. Her decision might be one of the greatest testaments of all to the integration work happening in Aurora and across Colorado, and a huge nod to the contributions of residents, homegrown and foreign-born, who are helping immigrants feel welcome and feel at home. Maybe even achieve some version of the American dream, which for Salwa has become more nuanced the longer she lives here. Because I've lived here 22 years and I've seen the inequality that exists, the disparities that exist. But I've come to realize that the American dream is a facade, but it's also not a facade because you can take that, your dream, and make it a reality here, no matter where you're from. And I think that is the American dream that most immigrants envision. The Colorado Dream, Newcomers Welcome, is a production from KUNC. It was written and reported by me, Stephanie Daniel. Editing by Johanna Zorn. Fact-checking by Kat Jaffe, with additional help from Adam Reyes. This season's theme song was composed by Jason Patton, who also sound designed and mixed the episode. Additional audio is from CBS News Colorado and Aurora TV. Ashley Jeffcoat is the digital editor. Special thanks to Chandra Thomas-Whitfield, Robert Leja, Kyle Cunningham, and Kim Race. Sean Corcoran is KUNC's Executive News Director. Tammy Turwelp is KUNC's President and CEO. To learn more about Salwa Mortada Bamba and the city of Aurora, and to see photos of the people included in this episode and other extras, go to KUNC.org slash Colorado Dream or check out the show notes for a link. That was the final episode of the new season of The Colorado Dream. To listen to the rest of Season 2, Newcomers Welcome, go to KUNC.org or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for this special episode of Colorado Edition. You can catch the Colorado Edition podcast every Friday. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Thank you for spending some time with KUNC's Colorado Edition. See you on Friday.